You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know how many hours there are in a week? You can do the math. There's 168. And so, um, at midnight, you used your last hour of last week. And you got a new set, 168. It is uh, 9.26, so you've used about nine and a half of those 168 hours already. Do you feel behind? Yeah. Most of us slept five or six or seven of those hours, or eight, maybe. And uh, now you've made a choice that you're going to spend this hour here in this room for this purpose. I think it's a great choice. Do you ever come to this hour of your week wondering what God might do? in your heart, in your life during this hour. So there's a lady named Kim who came to this hour one week, and God spoke to her, and as a result, there is a free medical clinic serving many families in the community of Two Lakes every week. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Doug and Margaret Eaton showed up at this hour one week, and as a result, they've been in Africa the last five years. Be careful what you do with your hours. I know a lady who came to this hour one week fully committed to divorcing her husband. But during this hour, something happened. And before she left, she recommitted herself to her marriage. Isn't it amazing? So do you ever wonder what might happen in your heart, in your life during this hour? What God might do in your life, as we gather here together, God might speak to you today. It, it may be that God already has spoken to you today, and you're already amazed at what God has done in your heart this morning. We've been asking a question, are we Antioch? And so we have discovered this church that existed almost 2,200 years ago in Syria, the city of Antioch, a small congregation of believers that began to grow in numbers. And, and we've been looking at their characteristics and we're asking, are we like that? And so the first week we said, man, they just live like this with open arms. They did something that was earth-shaking, groundbreaking, innovative. It had never happened with the sharing of the gospel. They shared the gospel not only with Jews, but with a great number, large numbers of Gentile people. And great numbers of them begin to come to the Lord. So now it's this very unique looking church that has never existed before. It's a mixed congregation. And they just, whoever they met, they said, come into this relationship with Christ and come into this community of faith. Be with us. And then we learned last week that they invested in those people. So not only did they invite them, but they began to invest. They they, they, they encouraged them and they taught them. Saul and Barnabas themselves taught for one year. We're not going anywhere. We're going to teach these people. And so today I want to talk about this element we find in their lives called generosity. Bottom line is this. It's really simple. To be Christian is to be generous. I would argue with you all day about it if you wanted to disagree. The most generous person who has ever walked the face of the earth is Jesus. To be Christian, Christ, Ianos, followers of Christ, to be Christian 
is to be like Jesus. Jesus spent his life helping, giving, serving, blessing, healing. And then finally at the end, he just gave everything that he could possibly give his whole life on the cross. And so to be Christian is to be generous. To follow Jesus is to follow this path of generosity. And so I'd, I would ask you, are, are, are you generous? Anybody else in the room wanting to say, well, compared to who? <laughs> I mean, is generosity relative? Does it feel like it's relative to you? Well, I mean, compared to Scrooge, yeah, I'm a pretty generous guy. Compared to Mother Teresa, not so much. So I brought a dictionary. I mean, just straight out of the dictionary, I brought a definition. Willing to give money, help, kindness, etc. Keep making the list. Especially more than is usual or expected. Willing to give, willing to share, money, help, kindness, whatever else you can name especially more than is usual or expected. I saw a guy one day, and I noticed the slacks that he was wearing, and I thought they were pretty good-looking pants. And I said to him, hey, I like those pants. What are those? What, what brand? Where'd you get those? And I want you to know the next day I show up at my office, and in a bag are not his pants, but a pair of new pants <laughs> that he had gone and bought for me and brought and put them on my desk. I mean, that's, that's beyond what is usual. Don't you agree? So the next time I saw him, I said, man, I love that BMW you're driving. <laughs> and the next day, <laughs> no, just kidding. Generosity. Are you a generous person? So that's, that's where I'm living this week. I'm asking myself, am I generous Am I growing in generosity? Am I becoming more generous? You know, as God brings me along. So, so let me ask you another question. So are we Antioch? Are we generous? So when you think about this community of faith that makes up Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, the congregation that meets at 9 o'clock, and then the other group that comes in at 11 o'clock, collectively, would you consider us Antioch? Are we a, a generous congregation? Are we a giving people? So I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Acts again, chapter 11, again. And uh, let's begin in verse 27 and read that next little section of Scripture that describes the church in Antioch, okay? Here we go. Verse 27, during this time, meaning they've launched the church by sharing the gospel with Gentiles as well as Jews, they've opened their arms Great number of people have believed. Saul and Barnabas are now teaching them, spend a whole year discipling them, investing in them. During this time, some prophets came from Jerusalem, down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus. Now, if you're looking for a name for a baby that's on the way right there, is another option. Agabus. He stood up. And through the Spirit... Okay, predicted, prophesied, some translations, we'll talk about prophecy in a minute, that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Think about the severity. 
of a famine. This happened, Luke adds a note. It actually happened, he says, Luke does, as he writes the book of Acts, during the reign of Claudius. And so the disciples, meaning the ones in Antioch, these new believers, this strange mix, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, slave and free, each as each one was able, the disciples as each one was able, I think it's a critical phrase in understanding what was happening, the disciples as each one was able decided, that's a decision, isn't it? It's a choice to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. So what did they do? So this they did, sending their gift, took up an offering, and sending their gift to the elders, meaning in Jerusalem, to distribute among the poor by Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul carries the money there. Later on, a few verses later, we read where they return, they come back. So the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. I remember when Annette and I went to Nashville, moved there from Kansas City after seminary and after working at a church for a few years as a youth pastor, went to pastor our first church. And, and I would just tell you that, that life was challenging. We were young and didn't understand how challenging it was probably. But it, it was hard. We knew it was hard. Uh, the church was kind of a challenge uh, for us. I'd never pastored a church. I was making my share of mistakes along the way. And um, money was a challenge. We weren't making much money. And um, just life overall, I would say, was, was, was difficult. Net, you want to testify? Would you just wave your hand? There you go. And, um, and I remember we had one car with no hope of purchasing another car that was not even a remote possibility. It was in those days that I would get up early and throw newspapers. No, no joke, I did that. And um, on Sunday morning before I preached, I got up at 3 to go deliver newspapers. And um, knew it, delivering newspapers, I didn't know people stood out and waited, you know. And I remember early on, put the paper in the bag, bags hanging from your mirror, I gave it a throw. As soon as I let it go, I saw the lady standing there in her night robe, and I hit her right in the gut, and she just, oh, went over. <laughs> Felt bad about that. Apologized, backed up, and told her I was sorry. But that was kind of our life. We were trying to make it. No hope for a second car. I would get home from throwing newspapers, take Annette to work, take Brittany to her daycare, get to work myself, then go pick them all up. And it was just kind of one of those Net was working across Nashville, and I remember one night a couple named Larry and Joy invited us to their house for dinner. We go over to their house, and they said, we, we kind of know what your situation is in regard to transportation, and, and uh, well, we have this car, and we would never sell the car because my mother bought me the car, Larry said, but we don't need the car, and the car's old, but it runs great. It's not beautiful. In fact, it's not pretty at all. It's a Toyota Corolla. It's an old Toyota Corolla, but it's, it's, a, it's a great little car as far as just being dependable. And, and I wouldn't sell it because my mother gave it to How would you sell something your mother gave you? But I would love to give you the car. It, it was like giving us a million dollars. We didn't know the difference. 
We were in a crisis, we felt like. And this was going to alleviate so much stress in our lives. And we drove away from their house that night in two cars. Yeah. It was, it was generosity like we'd never experienced in our lives. Yeah. Such a blessing, such a gift. I think what you could say is that they saw us in a stressful time. Crisis might be a strong word. And they said, we're going to make a decision to do something to help you. And and it feels to me a little bit like what was happening with the Church of Antioch in relationship to their friends in Judea, especially Jerusalem. So let me go back and talk about prophecy for a minute. The the belief, of course, is that it's given under God's own inspiration. And it often, not always, but often, so there's foretelling and foretelling, okay? And so in foretelling, it's often this prediction of a future event. So there's a guy named Agabus. It's not the only time we read about Agabus, nor is it the only time we read about Agabus prophesying and his prophecy coming true. So in Acts chapter 21, Luke says, we were all together with Paul, and we were in Caesarea, and we were at Philip's house, and there was a prophet who showed up named Agabus, and Agabus takes the belt off of Paul. So you know they had a tunic that was an inner garment and then a cloak, an outer garment, and it wasn't uncommon to tie the two with a, with a belt Sometimes it was a rope, sometimes it was maybe made out of the material the cloak was made with. But anyway, he takes Paul's belt and he reaches down and he ties his own feet and then he ties his hands, Agabus does, with Paul's belt. And he says, the one who owns this belt will be bound in this way by the Jews and he will be handed over to the Gentiles and they will take his life. And it's exactly what happened to Paul. And so Agabus comes to Antioch and he delivers this prophecy. He says, there will be a severe famine in the entire Roman world. And so Luke gives us this kind of parenthesis. He says, That famine, by the way, had happened during the reign of Claudius. Now, Claudius was the fourth emperor of Rome. He gave himself an incredible name. His his full self-given name was Tiberius Claudius Augustus Caesar. I'm I'm sorry, Augustus Caesar uh, Germanicus. That was his name. Self-given name. And Josephus, a historian, not a Christian writer, but a historian, writes about a famine that occurred during the reign of Claudius. And so here's what, here's what we read. You've got this congregation of believers, this strange mix of believers, this new, different church than any church that has ever existed, okay? And, and here's what happens. They hear about the famine, of course, 
Is it worse in Judea than it is in Antioch? Do they have more money than the people do in Judea and Jerusalem? I don't know. We don't know the answers to those questions. We just know that somehow they determined that the people in Jerusalem were in great need, maybe greater need than we are. Maybe it's worse there, or they don't have the funds that we have, whatever it is. We've got some brothers and sisters in a crisis, and so they, they receive an offering, and they send it down. And I think that's where you and I live our lives every day. Here's what we have to decide. We have to decide if we will respond to the needs of those in crisis. And that may be one of the best ways to understand whether or not we're generous. What do I do when I see other people in crisis? Do I respond? Are we Antioch? You know, back a few years ago, um, what was it, three maybe years ago, we first started talking about our sanctuary, needing updating, and the money that it would cost to update the sanctuary. And I remember uh, preaching uh, one Sunday about the next 50 years of the life of Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. And we begin to talk about, would you make an investment in the next 50 years by upgrading the sanctuary so we can continue to move forward as a church? I remember a friend of mine had sent me a video. And it was a video about a family who lived in Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, and in one of those services, I shared with you their story. Let me just give you a quick reminder, and then I'll tell you what God did in my heart as a result of the story. Their names are Barnhart's. And... Uh, this couple had a company that rented out cranes and moved especially difficult things to move along the highway. Like um, when I heard the interview, he said, we just moved something that required 21 semi-trucks to move it, one, one item. Okay, so you can imagine this. They moved really big stuff. And so he said, my dad and mom decided they wanted to retire early. And, and they didn't want to work anymore. They made money. But they also said that the business had not realized you know, a small percentage of its potential and wanted to give it to their sons. So one of the sons is telling the story and he says, my brother and I prayed about whether or not we should accept the gift of the business and whether or not we should grow the business. And so they said, we did a lot of studying in the scripture before we made the decision. And, and we decided that almost everything we read in the Bible about wealth was negative and dangerous. And so we had some major decisions to make. And so although we felt God calling us to take on the business, we put some rules in place. Number one, we will not become wealthy. And so we established our salary before we ever took over the company. In the years when our kids were growing up, our salary would be a little more until they got to college, and then it would fall off because it would require less. And they accepted very modest salaries. I saw on the video the house they live in. It's a very, very, very modest home. Their cars are not luxury cars. The lawnmower he was mowing the yard with was not a luxury lawnmower. And they said, we made a commitment to everyone who came to work for us. We will not become wealthy all of, of your hard work. 
And, and then the story grows. And they said, we remember, he and his wife said, we remember the first year that our company was able to give away $1 million. Wow. Just give it away, a million bucks. But then they said, we remember the year that our company gave away $1 million a month. Well, now you're really wowing. Yeah. And then they said, we remember the first year that we gave away $20 million. After I told the story, Rhonda and Andy McCamey came to me and said, we know the Barnharts. We're very connected to Mark Green, who is raising money to translate the Scripture into every language, and they're great contributors. And I don't know what happened and exactly how it all transpired. And it's not language they use, but something happened inside of me as I watched the video and as I shared it with you. God began to challenge me about how I see myself. Or how I see Annette and me. In, in regard to the resources that he provides for us. And, and I feel like that for so much of my life, I've seen us more as a barrel. Collecting. More and more. Accumulating. Gaining. See if we can fill up this old barrel, Annette. I'm not saying we weren't giving. We were giving. But honestly, we didn't view ourselves as much as givers as we viewed ourselves more maybe as a barrel. Because our houses kept getting nicer and our cars kept getting newer. And our retirement kept growing. Anybody else? Feel a little more like a barrel. But when I looked at that family, I didn't see a barrel. I saw a funnel. Barrels and funnels are very different. Because funnels are designed for things to flow through. Barrels are made to contain things. And I think the church at Antioch saw themselves more as a funnel than they did a barrel. And so I've been living with this new image in my mind for a while, for a few years now. And, and the idea is that I think God wants me to be more of a funnel than he wants me to be a barrel. I'm not saying that God doesn't want me to be wise with money. I'm not saying that God doesn't want me to prepare for retirement. I'm not saying anything like that. Don't misunderstand me, okay? But I think when I see a need, I'm supposed to say, well, let it flow through. Because I don't think God is giving me all that he's given me so I can just collect it. I think God has given me so much so that I can let it flow through. And so this is a hard sermon Annette said to me this morning before I left the house. She said, how, how do you feel about your sermon? Um, it's, it's our conversation at my house. We have it all the time. You know, like it's a hard sermon in that. And the reason I think it's a hard sermon is because we are so affluent. 
I mean all of us. All of us who live in this great land that we live in. I mean, we have so much. And we are addicted to more. I get amazed. You know, low-hanging fruit here. Let me pick on the athletes, okay? They get in fights over contracts and over how much the NBA or the PGA or the MLB is making and how much they're making and all of that. And I figured out how much they, they are wanting. You know how much they're wanting? Athletes who are being paid multi-million dollars a year, do you know how much they want? Just a little more. But it's where you and I live. We, we are addicted to more. Just, just a little more. And we begin to see ourselves as barrels, not funnels. And so it's a, hard, it's a hard sermon. It's a hard sermon for me. It's a hard sermon for you because we are affluent people. We have so much. And the more we gain, the more we want. Here's what the church at Antioch did. If you really want to, what, what should I do, Rick? I think this is a good to do right here. The disciples, as each one was able, I love this, each one. I would love just to kind of underline those two words for a minute and say, it's not for the person in front of you or behind you or beside you. Well, if I had what that guy has, I wouldn't have a problem giving, right, and being generous. No, each one, as each one was able, I know that generosity might be relative. I know that how much money we have is relative. We're not all the same. But as each one was able, what are you able to do? Made a decision. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to not do anything. I've told you before, I like Andy Stanley. I like what he says. He says, don't decide to do nothing. But here's what he says you should do. Do for one what you wish you could do for many. Instead of saying, I can't do anything about world hunger, well, do for one what you wish you could do for many. Do something. Decide to do. Decide to provide. And so your world is different from mine. Your finances are different from my finances. Each one as was able. Decided to do something. They, they, they didn't ask, how can we survive the famine? They said... How can we help people who are worse off than us? And so I think about Bethany First Church. Are we Antioch? We, we, we give to a lot of entities. We support world missions. But, but it's not really about numbers because um, it's kind of based on what we raise, right? I love what I see in you. We've got about three partnerships that we really focus on. One is a ministry down the street from us called Two Lakes. I have never stood here and said to you, will you help us with Two Lakes, that you haven't just said, okay, sure. What, do you, what, what, do you, what are you thinking? And I would say there's many times you've been beyond generous. It, it often overwhelms me. And I'm going to ask you again to help with Two Lakes. We, we, we have a pantry there. We're serving maybe 150 families a week through the pantry. We have a, the, the medical clinic I mentioned a moment ago. I think 50 to 70 families a week are being served through the medical clinic. We are, 
ramping up to offer other services that are needed in that neighborhood services. There is a church that is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ week after week after week through Pastor Thaddeus Black. And, and, and I love the way that you give to it. And, and I never come thinking that I can't be bold in asking. I love the way that you give to the Southwestern Native American District. We're serving there. Many of you are involved in the firewood uh, situation there. We're training pastors. We're helping train pastors on their district. We're raising up and ordaining new ministers uh, through the leadership of that district superintendent. Um, but God is using your church in a powerful way to minister and help individual churches. And then, as you met Doug and Margaret earlier, our third partnership is Eswatini. And we're helping individual churches, the haven of hope for abused sexually and physically abused women. You're doing a great job of serving there, and, um, and we're not going to be embarrassed or, or we're not going to be anything but bold in asking for help with those ministries. It's like a partnership. And it's like what you saw in the church in Antioch. So who helps establish the church? Think about it. Jerusalem. And now who are they helping? The church in Jerusalem. It's like we're, we're, we're given into each other. And it's what we feel in our partnerships. We give to Two Lakes, but Two Lakes gives to us in many ways. We give to Eswatini, but they give to us in many ways. We give to the Southwest Native American District, but they give to us in many ways. Because we're all brothers and sisters in this journey together. Amen? So what are you going to do with this? I don't know. Is it a prayer you pray? Is it something God's been saying to you all along that you feel like you need to say yes to? It's not just about money. It's about time. It's about serving. What is God saying to you today? Walter Brueggemann, and I'll finish, an Old Testament scholar, talks about the myth of scarcity. And it's the lie of the enemy that says, if I give some away, will I have enough? And he reminds us that God has always been our provider. It's never been our money. And God has promised to take care of us. Would you stand with me? Father, these are hard, hard questions. We, we confess to you, Lord, that, um, that we are influenced by our affluence. We confess to you, Lord, that um, we struggle with wanting more. We confess to you that um, we don't sometimes want to trade our comfort and our pleasure to help those who are in need or in crisis. We confess to you our need for your Holy Spirit to change our hearts. We confess to you our desire to be Antioch. And I pray, Lord, for this church that I believe is generous. Would you make us more generous? And so what I'm really asking, Father, is would you make us more like Jesus? And I pray this in Jesus' name.
You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.